Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 50 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. I wanted to go big for episode 50, so I wanted a one-on-one long-form interview with a hero of mine. So I reached out to one of my favorite metal bands of all time and their leader in Paul Masvidal of Cynic. Paul's on the show, and that's fucking rad. He's the vocalist and guitarist in the band Cynic, but has recently announced a trio of solo EPs called Mythical, Human, and Vessel, respectively. These EPs are special in that they have isochronic tones, a brain entertainment technology, as part of their productions. Paul and I go deep on these tones, his process, his nerdy fans, and of course we talk about Cynic and a lot more. Paul is actually nice enough to send me some clips from the first EP, which is called Mythical. To my knowledge, these are not available anywhere else just yet, so call these exclusives. So here's the first exclusive sample. This is some of Letter to Love before I begin my conversation with Paul Masvidal from Cynic. Going. Doing well. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. One breath at a time, you know? Of course, as one can only do, I suppose. That's all we can do. <laughs> That's all we can do. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from a place called Davis. It's just outside of Sacramento. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah. so we're on the same time zone. Yes, I was a little worried about that, and I did quick research. I've talked to people all over the world for the show, and... I hate to be like the person getting somebody up at four o'clock or vice versa. So this worked out nicely. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So you write for metal injection, is it? I do also, this is for uh, my podcast far beyond metal though. Right. Yes. Yeah. No, I was just, I saw that you also did. Uh, so you, you, you work as a journalist and you're doing this podcast. This, this podcast is not related to metal injection. That's another this is your own thing. Yes, exactly. This is my thing that I've built uh, in Metal Injection. I'm mainly their like, Friday new release guy, but I've done a handful of reviews. Actually, I reviewed a, a Cynic show in Oakland, I believe, uh, several years ago. Oh, cool. Yeah. That was a fun show. Because um, <laughs> yeah. Metal Injection, are they New York-based or something? Or They are, yes. A major- like We have writers all over the country, but a mo- majority of them are in New York. And I actually think one of us just moved to, I want to say... Scotland or something? So we're taking over the world slowly. Yeah. It's um it's one of those things where even it's even happening with record companies where we just don't need brick and mortar spaces and you know, we can work anywhere, so it's kinda cool. I have found interesting how it kind of seems to be going the other way. Like I know Amazon has looked into getting brick and mortar stores and uh Bandcamp now has right. a store in Oakland where they can press vinyl on site and it's weird. Wow. Yeah. It's, I have yet to go there, but I know they also host shows and it's a, uh, it's a whole thing. It's, it seems really cool, but also kind of odd for 2019. Wow, interesting. So, like, independent artists can go there and press their vinyl, and they're they're doing live music now. And I I think yeah. that's the point. Where if you have it, might there's probably more to it. But like in my head, it's like you go there if you have uh, your own Bandcamp stuff, and they can help you out and get it pressed and copied and distributed. I don't know what distributed it might be on you, but you know the whole record label side of things that I I don't fully understand that you may be more versed in than I. Yeah, well, it seems like 
what's interesting is in the in this land of of the independent artists kind of emerging, you know, as a as a real thing, you know, and a, a more normalized thing is that these companies that were kind of representing them are kind of turning into record companies in a weird way, you know. Um, they're like it's like a it's the new record company or something. I don't know. There's there's something there going on because I'm noticing it with um, the company I'm releasing my stuff with, which is called AWOL. I don't know if you've heard of them, but I digital have... distribution company. And yeah. The um, label's like yours though, right? Like I don't, when you get into distribution, yeah, you get it's my own name. Yeah. I'm just, it's like my label through their, um, their digital distribution platform. And um, so it's like you're using, their channels essentially to um, to distribute. It's that kind of. I guess you do a distribution deal with them. I guess that's what record companies do as well. So it's um the beauty of it is you can opt out every thirty days, so they're not uh, stuck like some of us have been historically in record deals. You know, Roadrunner still owns has the copyright and ownership of Focus, which is something I've been tangled up with for a while <laughs> trying to get back um so i think it's totally um wrong that record companies um take copyright from artists it's it's totally not cool and um it's still going on preying on on desperate artists you know looking for a break is that part That's of why all. you're doing this next batch of albums this way to sort of just take back and have your own deal because like this isn't eon or ion for you i haven't heard it so loud ion spoke this is simply your deal so is this kind of you're taking control in a new way um i feel like i'm uh going completely into the the thing that scares me most which is um to be totally exposed um with music that has no it's not hiding anything. And, um, and there is a sense of, you know, um, reclaiming myself as a songwriter, um, after, you know, the incident from 2015, um, I'm kind of stepping back into my origins as just a, as a dude that just wants to play guitar and sing some songs. And, um, so it's kind of returning home in a way and, and reclaiming that in the most pure way possible. And, um, and I think the independent thing was just, yeah, uh, I was urged by some friends in the business who are also some of whom are independent artists to, to go that route. They said, just, just try it. You know, he's never released something independently really. So, um, I um I just wanted to try it out, you know. So the whole thing's kind of an experiment and uh, uh, essentially jumping off a cliff and not having a parachute, you know. Um, just kind of, you know, that, that quote from Trunk Brothers. That's the the good news is that there's no ground, right? So you never land. You're in a free fall. And I'm trying to hang out there most of the time these days. What what scares me most? Go there. 
that's the question I'm constantly asking, versus staying in a cocoon or doing something that is safe and familiar, constantly getting out of my comfort zone, you know, whatever I can to disrupt um, any sense of stability. And not in a destructive way, but in a way that keeps me awake and you know, connected to the true nature of reality. That's really where I, I want to live, you know. And so much of your career is sort of based around, well, centered around heavier music. Um, but this is a much more stripped down version of that. Something I feel like has been uh, sort of revealed with someone like Devin Townsend is being able to step away from heaviness and put out something like like mythical human vessel or like ghost or like casualties of cool there's a little more of a welcoming scene to it have uh how's the reaction been to the recent couple songs that have come out from this uh trilogy ep or ep trilogy um so far you know it's, it's seemingly really positive it's um it's it's been really nice actually the the first thing we released uh or i released was a track called the spaces which is more like a centerpiece, um, almost like a trailer for the entire work. And um, it is a song on the second release, but um, it's um, it wasn't a traditional kind of song. It's more like a tone poem. And, uh, and then this one that came out yesterday, Parasite, is definitely more of a traditional kind of tune and uh, points to more of where, where the rest of the stuff will the environment where the rest of the stuff will sit, although there's a handful of songs with, with a rhythm section and, um, and things like that. So it's, um, it's been nice though. It's been, uh, it's been encouraging, you know, it's nice to, it feels like I'm at least with this first batch, you know, coming around the corner being released. And with these two songs, there is a sense of giving birth, you know, and now, now that the work is shared, it, it really doesn't belong to you anymore. You know, it's uh, you have to spend so much time in these intimate relationships with this material and having a very private, solitary thing, and then you suddenly drop it upon the world. And and um, I do have that parent-parental thing where I care about it and I want it to to lead a meaningful life and and do okay and to be heard and to, to as to offer something to people so it's there is a bit of a a bit of that you know when you really um you want it to be okay you know because they, they feel like children i mean it really it's as close as i'll ever get to the experience of, of bearing children i think so um that's but yeah it feels good it feels um so far you know so far, so good. <laughs> and uh, how long have you been working on these songs? Because you said you've had them sort of been, hi not hiding them, but keeping them to yourself and just releasing them. But I'm sure the process has been a long one because you've sort of been out of the musical public eye for a minute now. Um, well, it's funny. As a, as a songwriter, I'm always writing. I'm constantly um, just collecting material and working on various things at various times there's an ongoing situation you know that's kind of just always happening and so these are you know and any record i'm releasing is essentially kind of a curated look at something that's been going on for a while 
Um, but uh, yeah, these are these have been around um, as kind of embryonic little environments that weren't fully realized. Um, they just kind of, but not not completely. And uh, and so I kind of went into the in, into that space. I had been thinking about this this work for a long time, and uh, it had kind of it just surfaced, you know, and, um, and it, I just had to pay attention, you know, to what it was telling me. I feel like you have to get out of your own way if you're trying to deliver, um, art that is honest, you know, um, it's, it's kind of more of like being used, you know, to, to get something out and without sounding grandiose, you know, or, or, or precious about it. It's just, it does feel a bit like it doesn't come from you. You know, it feels like you're more just in service of something that you're hearing and, and trying to kind of work out. Um, my friend George, who's a, who's a sculpture artist describes it as he likes to solve problems. And, um, so he, he has this problem with an art with one of his sculptures and he's trying to solve the riddle of, of the sculpture to finish it essentially. And, Sometimes it feels like that, but um, a good kind of problem, though, you know, the kind of problem you want to spend time with. Uh, there's a quote that I've seen circling around involving these uh, EPs that I want to ask you about. It's, it's At some point you said, I felt a connection between touching the center of my pain and the boundless nature of consciousness. Were you able to ease some of this center of your pain that you mentioned by working through these these EPs? Um, well, you know, the center of my pain, and I think for and most of us, if we're paying close attention, is is always there, you know, it's always accessible. And um, if we're paying attention, you know, in this giant emergency room of, of human experience that we're, that we're in, um, you know, the reality of, of what's going on here. But at the same time, um, there's that freedom, which is the other side of it, which is, doesn't have any of those essentially negative states. It doesn't have a storyline. It's um, it's beyond space and time, and it's kind of straddling those two paradoxes that I think this record touches on. It's the most grounded and earthiest humanist thing, and then it has this other element that is touches into. The, everything that goes beyond that and uh, has nothing to do with the nature of, um, you know, Paul or the story of Paul. And it goes into that kind of pure awareness, you know, boundless pure awareness. And that's, that's really, you know, who we are beyond, beyond the self. Right. So it's kind of that thing that um, you're, straddling or I'm straddling, you know, we're realizing that awareness is doing it. It's not, uh, and it's doing a better job than Paul would, you know? Um, so yeah, the, the annihilation of the self and the actual story of, of being in a human body. So it's, um, which contains that element of tremendous sadness and pain and touching into that and, being okay with it, you know, giving it a big hug. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I have to say something about you referring to existence as an emergency room. 
is the most stressful way I've ever heard like living put. And now it's all I can think about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like, I'm, I'm saying that in the sense that if you pay close attention, you know, there's a real situation going on here and it's incredibly complex. You know, we're dealing with on a molecular level, but it's just being pure vibration. There's this, there's so many things going on when you look beneath the surface and, and, um, and the emergency room element comes into play because of, and I don't want to sound like a traditional Buddhist in that sense, because I feel like it gets overblown, but the reality of suffering that's in the world and the reality of, of how much suffering is out there and that how it's our duty to, um, to alleviate it not only in ourselves but in others and to to be in service of, of your fellow man i mean that's the good work you know that's that's really if we're if we can leave anything behind hopefully it's something that helps helps the world in some way helps helps our species you know um so that's kind of what i'm pointing to is, is it's really easy to put the the blinders on and to not pay attention, but it's, it's a really intense situation, you know, and it's, um, if you're, if you're paying, if you're paying attention and, um, and I, I am, you know, I can't help but feel it. I had a therapist tell me a long time ago and I'm still in therapy, but this is one that I used to see at UCLA. And, uh, and he told me, you know, which I had, I've learned this about myself as I've gotten older, but he said, just don't watch the news. Don't, don't do any of that. You're so empathetic and so sensitive that you're absorbing this stuff without even watching it and just keep making music. And, and I, I did take that to heart because I realized if I watch the news and now a lot of our news feed is are scrolling, you know, on social media, um, it can really wear you out, man. You know, it's, um, you have to be careful. <laughs> There's a lot, a lot of noise out there, you know? Um, so it's, uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I didn't mean to do it in a way that would, I, it's more about shaking you to wake, wake us up a little, you know, like we got to, we need to pay attention here because, you know, you're, before you know it, uh, you know, your life is, is, will be over, you know, and the hardest part of this whole situation is like being aware of all this and, you know, and even making your friends aware, you know, corrupt government, decimation of our liberties, the reality of our environment, the fact that we're all going to die, all these things, um, not, you know, 97% of these people won't care, you know, un- until it's too late. And then, and then they'll wonder how, you know, how we allowed it to happen. I mean, that's kind of what, so it's, um, it's important to try and shake up the hypnosis <laughs> that's going on and, uh, and try and see through, you know, I think that helps if, if possible. Is it safe to assume part of the reflection of the state of the world is uh, reflected in the refrain of parasite, which is we're dead over and over? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a, you know, I don't want to get too literal into explaining concepts, but, but, um, yeah, there's a a metaphor about an aspect of the self going on there, you know, and, um, and, and, 
the 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 the, the you know the planet. Um, there's two two conversations, but I like the listener to bring themselves to it, you know, if possible. And um, it's because now it's their song. It's no longer. It was never mine, actually. <laughs> so, um, but now it really belongs to the listener. So it's um, it's their duty to kind of bring their story to it and and see what it means to them. You know, that that really gets interesting to me. So um, I don't like to get too strict on parameters. You know, I've been more into the metaphorical process with with especially with lyric writing versus literal. I feel like with the these um, EPs that you're putting out, a, a phrase that is going to come up a lot when you do press for them or when press is written about them is uh, isochronic tones. What exactly are isochronic tones? I've done a little Googling on it, and it was like brain, the was brainwave, what was the word, treat? <laughs> yeah, um, it's, brain entrainment right um it's basically you know they're you know you've probably heard of binaural beats um they've been around for a while and um and isochronic tones or isochronic tones have been around for a while too but they're kind of just entering the the public specter more now and um i've been experimenting with this stuff for years um in different ways uh using apps, um, downloading stuff, and then getting deep into Stefan's website, the guy that programmed them on my records. And um, he's, he's really into this stuff. And, you know, you're dealing with, you know, obviously our, our brain has, there's, it, there's brain waves, you know, so it, and it, it, it's regulating itself and, and, and moving through different states, you know, beta, theta, alpha, beta, gamma. So there's all these, things that are happening, right, depending on how you're feeling. And, uh, and the tones essentially guide your, your brainwave activity um, to a different frequency. Um, so they're, they're kind of, um, they basically influence and change your mental state and how you feel. And, um, and the way that I worked with them in the context of this music is that I, I wanted to... Um, kind of find something that would just create a sense of it. I mean, it's hard to explain this, but it's like it's where the music gets more integrated in a way that resonates with you and that where your own brainwave frequency tunes into, because the way that Stefan designed these is instead of saying, here's a delta wave to make you feel, you know, a little bit more rested and relaxed and to remove some anxiety. The, the tones on, on my records are full range, like complete the entire frequency range, the full audio spectrum. So um, it's, what's interesting is that the idea is that you're the listener will hear their own, they'll tune into their own specific frequency and kind of bring out their own meaning and connection to the work through it. It's, and for me, what felt really purposeful about this, having worked with these tones and used them in different ways throughout my life that have been incredibly helpful, is that um, I feel like it takes also 
the person out of the equation, you know, in terms of, like, it's no longer about me. It's like now this work becomes an offering, a true offering, and that it actually could help people. And I do think songs have that effect without any kind of brain entrainment program put on it. But um, there is, there's something really interesting about this technology, which is incredibly new. And I don't think we know very much about it. And we're still kind of finding our way, you know, and, um, and it will eventually probably become much more integrated um, into into society, but right now we're just at the beginning of this stuff, and um, it's uh, it's just an interesting way to kind of bring about another um, element into the music that I, for me, brought kind of became this cohesive character that inter- that just brought everything together, and suddenly I understood why I was going to make this work. Um, you know, because it's what's the contrast. Obviously, is it's, it's a bunch of really, you know, songs, acoustic, you know, vocal songs, and here you have this kind of highly digital-sounding kind of modern tone thing integrated, and it's it's an interesting. I like that contrast as well. It felt really appropriate. Um, it's like its own instrument. It's you know. Warren Riker was fascinated with with it and completely he was just like wow it was like as an as an audio kind of genius type guy he tuned into Stefan's brilliance and was in awe of it and um and it depends on your system in terms of what frequencies you're going to hear it's so interesting I mean I'll tell you it really it's um I'm so yeah I don't know if I really explained much to you about the nature of it but it's it's really not supposed to be explained. You know, that's part of it is just to, just to have it, just to experience it, you know, and to see what happens. Um, I am putting like a little instruction on how to use them, you know. Um, I don't know how I can, I'll probably just post things like that and um, because you can't put notes on a, a digital release, I guess, but I'm going to try and kind of, advise how it seems most effective, at least the way that I've used them, and um, and to kind of experiment, you know. We're all kind of experimenting here, so just trying to kind of do something new, you know. It really, and that's what it feels like. It's another evolution and a process. It's, in that, it's, some, it's stepping into the unknown again. And um, although I've been familiar with it personally, like sharing it with others, you know, it, it just becomes its own, it takes on a life of its own. Is it safe to assume that the 19 minute uh, closer of the first EP mythical is going to be a journey of sorts then? Yeah. It's uh, the sixth track on every EGP is, is essentially just uh, you know, we call it an isochronic tone sound bath and, I already started having fantasies of um, kind of putting people in rooms <laughs> and <laughs> letting them just absorb these frequencies and um, and seeing the effect it has on them. And what's so interesting is because I follow the hashtag isochronic tones, I saw that some there was a yoga studio like in Florida or something saying isochronic tone yoga class, and I thought, wow, this is 
this is really happening. People are are doing this. So, you know, it's kind of cool when you see that, that it's, it's kind of people are experimenting with this. But, yeah, that's the idea is that the sixth track is just this epic kind of journey track that you can scroll between because it's an evolving thing that goes through um, a series of tones. And they're all basically the, the tones that were for the songs just isolated, you know, and made into one huge wave file. So, um, yeah, it's really fun. I'm really kind of enjoying what's happening here with that stuff. It's, um, it's interesting. (laughs) It seems really really fascinating. Like I've heard of the YouTube videos, which, you know, the validity of them is probably questionable where if you put them on it somehow, wires you to think that you're high or you're drunk or something but this seems way more enjoyable if, if it winds up working out for me it's calming I guess. yeah it's yeah there's there's definitely um you know there will always be the the pseudoscience people i mean they've historically if you look at the some of the great scientists of our time some of the greatest discoveries that were you know that were called pseudoscience. And then they found, I think it was like going back to what's his name that, um, what was it called? The, the plates, you know, um, the tectonic plates. What were those? No, the, uh, what was that called? The, um, continental. No. Oh yeah. The, it was uh, like he, continental drift of the tectonic plates and, uh, Pangea yeah. and whatnot. Yes, I think I think that I'm, I'm trying to remember where I, I read that a long time ago. But there, were, like, he was one of the first people I remember. There was a whole story. I think was it in Smithsonian or something. Anyways, it was something about how he was. They thought he was insane, and it's all there. Like it's all pseudoscience, and it's crazy. And then eventually they found out. And I think it's true with so many. You know, we just get so afraid, and we attack things we don't know. And humans like to live in there and their little safe cocoons. And it's, um, it's, it's one of those things where I think I'm probably going to get a lot of that (laughs) with this and it's okay. You know, it's okay. Um, it's not for everybody, you know? Um, I always trust that, especially with music, even too, it it just people tune into stuff based on where they're at and uh, you can't force someone to open themselves to, to, um, to art you know this is the beauty of it it's so subjective right we're all we all get to hear something and feel feel differently depending on where we're at but yeah that's the idea is that it helps at least the tones that i did with Stefan. they're kind of you can almost steer them in the sense that they're not telling you how to feel they're not saying this one's for memory this one's for relaxation this one's to help you sleep it's almost like because they're full spectrum the idea is that you're you can kind of use them in the way that you want and um depending on what direction you want to go to and do you want to like i just used mythicals track six um you know to get energy to go you know to go exercise and i was um i was feeling just low energy and i popped it on and I just kept it very subtly in my ears. It's not like you're cranking it. It's just background. You know, you're, you're, you're doing other tasks. You're, it's just really subtly kind of integrated into your environment. And I found myself 
energized. Like I kind of put that and, you know, one could argue, well, that's a placebo. You just invested in that thought. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure placebo is true in almost everything to a degree because of the power of the mind, you know? And, um, so I'm sure there is some of that at work here, but I like the idea of, of, I mean, there, there is pure science backing, you know, what's happening with these waves, but I like the idea of having some kind of, um, but you can partake in this experiment and, and have, you know, kind of let it, you know, to go, let, you know, steer, steer it somewhat. I mean, that's kind of the idea is that you're, you're integrated. You're not just subjected to it and have to, have to kind of surrender, you know? I mean, there's, there's that component too, which is interesting, but, um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's an experiment and, um, I'm, I'm just excited about, about the stuff because it's worked for me. And I, I thought, you know, this is, that has a real health benefit potentially. Um, and at least it has for me in many ways. And I'd be curious to see how, how it works for others, you know, um, that's really the idea. It's just offering something. And these, so far what we've heard is wildly different from uh, your past output. Um, do you ever feel any sort of conflict, either internal or external, about um, maybe not putting out heavier material? Because, like, you, um, you have an air around you and people sort of expect something despite having, you know, layers and layers to you. So... Uh, I guess that I'm great at questions sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you know, no, no, I, I get what you're saying. It's funny. I mean, I remember saying back in the focus days that I couldn't tap into my anger and aggression. And I, I was in, in a different place. And um, what's funny is that I've, I can, you know, because there is obviously a lot of aggression and anger, at least that kind of energy around this, you know, the heavier music. And so you have to kind of, but I feel like it's, if you're, at least for me, I've gotten to the point where, I don't know, if it comes so naturally <laughs> to access that stuff in a collective sense, I don't really have to force it. It's just um, like, the the frequency that cynic vibrates at um, is so integrated on some level that um, and and it's also something where it doesn't necessarily have to be anything. I think part of the the conversation around cynic and has always been is that we're not interested in being put in a box. You know, we want to constantly step out of any lines that are being drawn in terms of what this band needs to sound like or how it's evolving. So there's this, you know, there's a lot of freedom there, you know, and Cine could make an ambient music record and it's, you know, I don't know that we will because I think that we have a, a language that we like to kind of use, but I think we're constantly trying to bring new letters into the alphabet and expand, you know, the vocabulary. And uh, that's really, if we can't do that, I don't think we would be making music. I think it's, ruled by that intention to to expand and create something new and get out of our comfort zone i mean i keep coming back to this theme it's 
but it's really is true even in the case of cynic where we want to we want to break new ground i think that's the duty of an artist essentially you know that do something new that hasn't been done before um i mean really that's that's where it gets interesting it's too easy to recycle stuff you know that's kind of a lazy approach to art it doesn't bores me it's funny that you mentioned an anger behind Cynic because that's, I, despite it having growling vocals and like kind of pummeling drums at times, it never struck me as an angry music. Up until this last weekend, one of your shows is the only show that I've ever been to where there was a moment to do stretches and like kind of a yoga moment. And um, mm-hmm. what what kind of made you want to integrate that sort of almost relaxed nature into a heavier thing in the first place? Because there's always been sort of a headier side to Cynic than most bands, I'd say. Yeah, I don't think we ever fit in with the pure aggression situation. That was just never, I mean, maybe like in the demos or something, there was some kind of angst there. But it's been more controlled in the sense and steered and precise, Um in the, in the context of cynics. So it's never like, I mean, there are moments, but it's for the most part, it's, it's like precision kind of music, you know? So it's, it's a different kind of aggression. It's, it's like fine tuned and meditated on. And, and, uh, I mean, it's, there, there is that component where you're just like, you're, you're not at the mercy of it. You're steering it you know, and, um, that's how I think it, that's part of the sound is like, we're, we're kind of, you know, and, and there's always, this has been the, the, the opposites that work with, with cynic since, since focus essentially too, is this deeply deep interest in spirituality and meditation and the mind. And, um, and then, you know, this really, interesting kind of complex for the most part heavier music i mean that's i think that's kind of the the interesting thing about cynic it holds holds those opposites some of evolutionary sleeper from cynic from their album traced in air i'll be right back with paul in a moment but first i have to do my due diligence as a podcast host and remind you about my live show june 2nd at the stab theater on broadway in sacramento at 5 p.m i will have guests pat martin from 98 rock and live music from peace killers come out five bucks for a show 10 for a day 25 for the weekend you can find all that info on sacpodfest.com Now here's another exclusive sample from the mythical EP by Paul Masvidal. This is Into the War. Uh, Last year, Cynic released the track Humanoid. Um, 
that song kind of came out of nowhere for a lot of fans and we haven't really heard much from cynic sense is uh is that the last we're hearing of the band or is there more where that came from oh no we we're we're working on a record um it's been it's it's an ongoing thing sean malone and i um are are working on a record and we have a lot of material and um we're just um it's one of those things where i don't want to say too much but um i it's it's coming along and um it'll eventually surface. <laughs> you, should get that, you should get that tool light behind it where like every move you make creates a wave, just like create some tool-esque mystique, just channel your inner right. mind, start making wine or something. That seems fun. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, I don't, again, I can't like start giving dates and things, but um, there is a record happening and it's, it's really cool, and um, I'm excited about the material, and um, it'll eventually surface. I don't know when, you know, but we're with Season of Mist, and um, and uh, eventually that'll happen. I'm not sure. I'm not sure even, yeah, I just, I can't even say very much. Other than that, it's, it's in progress, and um, there's, a, there's a lot of music. Um, there's definitely a lot of music, and... Um, I think that's the thing with Cynic is that we don't love deadlines. We just like to stay in an authentic place with it and let it organically kind of happen. Um, and uh, so it's it's one of those things that it's we're meeting it, you know, and kind of just trying to listen to seeing where it goes. And, and there's, there's a whole journey to making records. You know, you really have to kind of, let it tell you at some point and and then you're kind of you have a sense of what it is and i can't even say that yet you know i don't know what it is yet i just know that there's music and words and sounds fair enough um you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) cool That's, that's about all i can say yeah um, the last time I saw Cynic live, it was in, like I said, it was in Oakland and the venue was kind of a weird place where there wasn't much of a backstage. So you and the band were sort of out and about and I was in front of the venue and you were meeting with a fan who I don't really know if he brought his snake to the show or if he just showed you his snake and left with it. But you guys were hanging out, checking out a snake. Uh, is this one of yeah. the weirder, um, fan meet and greets you may have experienced and i don't know if you remember the snake it, it definitely stuck out to me as a, something i've never seen before show before a guy with a snake yeah um yeah i i remember that um yeah it's you know it's i do think we attract an unusual collection <laughs> of people um and uh that's that was yeah that was there's things like that happen i mean i remember Japan, there was really interesting things, and yeah, it's just, it's really, you know, that's, that's what happens with, uh, with art, I guess, is that you attract people, right, that are, you know, vibrating at a certain frequency, and, um, and you get some unique characters, you know, it's, um, I, I actually really love that, I always used to say that, um, 
that, and I'll say it again, is that if you, Cynic is the kind of band that if you try and sound like them, you're going to kind of come up with your own thing because it's so kind of in its own unorthodox way doing something that isn't super copyable. It's like you're going to kind of find your own voice. So it's a good thing in a sense because it's, we're not like easy to rip off. I don't, I don't know why that's so. I mean, maybe there are some distinct characteristics, but um, I thought I always, th and I think I was one of those people myself, like that just, um, I learned how to play other people's music, but I found when I was making my own that it didn't really sound like anything else. It was kind of, and that, that's, you know, it kind of just did its own thing. And um, I, I, I think the same is true for the audience, you know, a, a, a lot of individuals versus kind of collective, the same tribe, you know, there is a tribal sense, but they're, they're definitely independent thinkers, you know, the nerds, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> I can't find that. <laughs> no, we, we prog dorks, we're prog dorks. And I'm, I'm, I hold yeah. no shame in that. I, I refer yeah, to us absolutely. every time I write about a prog band for metal injection, I just call, just call us out as nerds and dorks. And I feel like it's, that's fair. <laughs> Um, on the topic yeah. of other people's music, I talked to Gene Hoagland for the show maybe two years ago. And at the time, he said that he was open to doing more uh, Death to All touring and that there was a very light rumblings. Do you know anything about future Death to All stuff? I don't. No, I just did that first few runs and then I, I, I didn't participate anymore and... I, I got Max involved, and I know Max has been with them still, but I don't think they've been playing. I haven't even followed it. Are they playing? I mean, no. I, this was maybe two years ago, and I brought it up to Gene. He's like, yeah, we should do that again. And then that was, as far as I know, that's been the last okay. I've been talked about. Yeah, um, so, yeah, I haven't kept up with it. I, I was, you know, just in that first incarnation of it, um, essentially the human incarnation, you know. Fitting. And... Um, well, yeah, it was Max and me and Steve and uh, and Sean and um, and then we had um, you know a few other singers and some dates. It, it kind of evolved early on, but uh, I, from what I understand, they had kept it going and were touring and stuff. But I guess I guess they're laying low now. Um, yeah, I haven't heard anything. I'm sure the person to ask would be Max Phelps because he's definitely been steady with that gig since it. Since I, you know, since he was doing it with me, makes sense. Um, could you see yourself doing a solo tour of these new batches of songs? Oh yeah, yeah, I, I intend to. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, I'm exploring a lot of different versions of how this might manifest in a vision, you know, a, a live environment, and. Uh, it's covered a lot of territory, you know, spent a lot of energy trying to figure that out. And I'm still in it. Um, I'm still kind of wrapping my head around it, but I, I do like the idea of an intimate environment. Um, not like a big venue, you know, just something really intimate and kind of like conversational and, um, and casual, you know, but also integrating, 
this stuff, you know, because it's uh, the tones and the brain trainment stuff, because I think it's brain entrainment. There's there's something there, you know, and um, it's kind of figuring out where those two worlds meet in a live context and how, how it's getting integrated with the visuals. You know, I'm working with these artists that have been doing some videos and they're really incredible. So I want to kind of bring in that uh, modern, there's just a whole like kind of immersive reality component that could get really interesting. And I've been um, kind of talking to people about that whole thing. So we'll see. It's, um, yeah, definitely. There'll be some gigs for sure. Sounds really cool. Uh, a whole immersive thing. Like, I feel like you definitely have to put that on the ticket because people going in expecting you to play something from Trace to Error are going to be surprised. But uh, I guess yeah, really cool. I mean, exactly. Yeah, it could. It's it's about you know changing the whole. It's like it's just that if you're going to, I almost like the idea of taking myself out of it. You know, like if I could just be this holographic kind of entity or something, and it's just an experience versus, you know, this acoustic dude singing these songs, you know, like I like the idea of it being kind of ruled by some really futuristic technology that maybe hasn't even been, you know, integrated yet. <laughs> like, you know, I'm just, there's a lot of layers to this that I'm, and that's, that's where I have to reel it back because it's not like I've got some endless resources to, to pull it off on that scale. But I feel like there's some kind of Blade Runner middle ground there where I can punk rock this and still pull it off. And that's what I'm still kind of exploring. Um, I'd be excited to see whatever this would be. Um, Yeah, cool. While I know you only appeared on the album briefly, uh, what was your experience like working on the track Samaria with Devin Townsend? I know this is also like a decade ago, but still. Yeah. Um, it was great. I've known Devin for a while and he's a brother, you know? Um, and, um, he just had reached out and said, you know, do you want to sing on, on this song? And I said, just, you know, send it along. And, and it was really something that came very naturally for me in terms of what, what he sent. It felt like, felt like it was like written for me or something you know um so yeah Devin's Devin's uh Devin's definitely doing he's really creating his own thing you know he's really I kind of feel like he's also I kind of feel like he's also struggling with what you are as far as trying to make something massive and immersive and bigger than himself but also he's struggling with the budget side of things. So, you know, I'm going to see him next month. He's going to have a acoustic guitar and that's awesome too. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard he's just now, I guess, putting a band together or something or got the band together, but it's, um, it's definitely nice to see him again, kind of change the conversation and do things differently. I think, you know, I think Devin is one of those people he's trying to keep this whole process interesting for himself and to bring something new out with with each release and keep people surprised and and he does think on large scale you know he he thinks very big and visually kind of expansive stuff so 
Yeah, we have we're we have our fantasies. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I think everyone everyone's guilty of that to a degree. And and there's this there's this you know I I it's funny I ever since I was a child and I was taken to Disneyland. Um, I remember being in the haunted mansion and seeing this kind of floating head in a crystal ball. Oh yeah, I, I know, know the one. You, <laughs> and the lady speaking to you and you know um and I just had this fantasy since back then, you know, when once I started making music of this holographic being that would that would um be like the lead singer of my project. And it was it happened in Cynic. I was like, I always kind of envisioning something where this like kind of entity, you know, would um, be be the, the the character, you know. The and um, so, anyways, it's been this has been an ongoing thing since early childhood, and we're finally getting there where these kinds of things could happen. Possibly, I mean, we're not quite there, but we're. Well, according to a lot of the extraterrestrial community, we're fully there, and, but it's not—it's um, not part of our culture yet. It's all underground. Um, I think the closest you but, have to that sort of experience on a stage, anyway, right now is that touring Roy Orbison or Dio thing that's going on, like that sort of idea. Yeah, but no, that's not exactly what you mean. Yeah, there's that, and I just heard there's a Zappa one yep. happening now, and. Um, but that's like a piece of glass, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, that's like the Haunted Mansion but, trick right there. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, that's that's one version of it. What's that Japanese artist that does that, too? She's, like, huge. And she's She is a hologram. And, you know, she's like an anime character, but she performs with a live band. And she literally plays, like, major venues and... It's like all kids. And huh, I haven't heard of this. Um, yeah, she's, I swear, she played like two nights or something at the Staples Center. I mean, it was just like, wow, she's huge. And it's this like hologram kind of anime lead singer who has a live band. And when she performs, she's just, yeah, it's the whole thing. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that would be really cool and there's you know there's a story at work and there's a whole thing so i'm trying to kind of still working through all of that um in terms of how this could manifest but we'll see it's um there's there's a lot of components and there's obviously two other records after this so it's like i'm not sure of the timing of when this could all but i'm just staying in the process and open to possibility um and in the meantime i might end up doing you know, some touring just in a very intimate, acoustic-y way, because I think the stuff translates just in that sense. And there's something really cool about the low production, bare bones, just sing sing the, from the heart, you know, and, and just sing the songs and forget about the lights and the projections and the concept and just just say the words, you know. I'm just realizing um, how long we've been recording and I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, but I've got like two more questions. If that's cool with you. Sure. Uh, I, I just, 
came across some of like I this is something I was not aware of about your career, uh, your soundtrack and score work, and uh, that you worked with Jim Carrey on How Roland Rolls. Um, I'm sorry if you've talked about this to death, but growing up, Jim Carrey was like my favorite person ever. Uh, what was, how did all that come to be? And how was that whole experience? Uh, I came to be through a a friend in the business, uh, who, uh, works with Jim and is actually really close to him, probably one of his best friends. And, um, and he's a, a friend of mine and, uh, Jim had this idea. He wanted to, you know, manifest a children's book and, uh, and make a record that went with it. And, um, and my friend John, hearing Jim talk about it, says, you should do this with Paul, my friend Paul, you know, and, um, and he was open to it. So I went to Jim's house and we sat and talked. And, you know, before you know it, I was deep in a project with Jim pretty much like every day for like a month. We just worked around the clock and, um, it was incredible. You know, he's, he's electric, you know, Jim is a fireball of creative energy and intelligence and hyper attunement. I mean, he's got this incredible ability to just, around people and pick up their energy and immediately kind of embody them you know it's like heightened empathy and like you know I guess that's how he got his start he was a impersonator right he would just shape shift into people and um, and that's uh, you know it's a very incredible gift that he's obviously turned into an amazing career you know and look I mean look at his story I mean it's just incredible the the work he's done, but, um, yeah, it was a, incre- it was a really inspired and beautiful experience. You know, Jim is a bro and he's an awesome human being and, um, and he's doing really great work. You know, he's, he's definitely out there spreading truth, you know, especially now he's really stepped into that kind of teacher mode, which is awesome. But, um, yeah, we made these tunes, you know, kind of, we would go hang out in his place and listen to vinyl. And he has, he had this like killer old school kind of vinyl player, you know, one of those like really nice ones and just crank Beatles records and Joni Mitchell and the Stones and all this awesome music and, um, just really kind of connect over, you know, to bond with some, with someone like he's a true music fan. You know what I mean? Like he's got it. Like he's a deep music person. And, um, we had some incredible jams and some amazing, memorable nights, late nights at that studio where we were making this stuff. But, um, it was really beautiful. And his daughter, Jane was involved. Um, she, she was right there with us through all of it, and um, she's an incredible songwriter and has a beautiful voice. Um, so it was really kind of cool to see the, them two come together and kind of create this thing. Um, so yeah, that was a that was really neat. She's a good guy. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking with me on my show. I know it's been a long time coming, but I'm glad we were able to finally find a time that worked for us. And uh, 
it's it's been an honor having you on i love i love your music like no hyperbole about it not just because you're on i i eon spoke cynic i I fucking love everything um so i'm i've already pre-ordered the new thing that's coming out in a couple weeks on the 31st i'm very excited for it and i'm excited to see how the uh the tone tone tracks go for me so oh yes yeah yes absolutely yeah experiment with it um see what happens it's um i'll be curious to get some feedback on that as well from people but please reach out again when when you do all right well you have a good rest of your evening uh i'm gonna go i'm gonna go probably throw on some cynic and go for a run that sounds pretty sweet nice man all right well have a good night all right you as well thank you care bro all right bye 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 You can pre-order Paul's first EP, Mythical, from his Masvidal trilogy over at Masvidalian. That's Masvidal and then like alien.com. Follow him on Instagram at Paul Masvidal. Then, of course, follow Cynic at Facebook.com slash Cynic Paul Masvidal and CynicOnline.com. And as always, the theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.